God is at work in young lives. Amen? That's so exciting. And, and I'm so honored to be a part of what God is doing here. It, it's just, it's humbling, really. <laughs> it's, it really is. And so it, it's incredibly, um, it, it's awesome. And so like Jason already said, thank you to everyone who does serve in any of those ministries. Anything that has to do with kids from newborns all the way up to, you know, 18 years old. Thank you. It really is making a difference. So thank you for your commitment and your prayers. Even if you can't be here to serve, man, pray for us. Because we believe in prayer, yeah? And, uh, and, it, and it makes a difference. It really does. So thank you. Um, one thing I wanted to do, when I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about the vision statement of, you know, we have a vision to impact future generations for Christ. And so I was thinking back, what impacted me when I was a teenager? <laughs> and so for those of you who don't know, Pastor Jason and Miss Raina, they were my youth pastors growing up. I don't know if you knew that. God bless them. Um, it's a miracle in itself that I'm standing here right now. Um, and they're probably thinking the same thing. How, how on earth did that happen? But that's the God we serve, right? He does the unexpected. Uh, so that's very much the case with me. Um, and so, man, they impacted me in ways that, that they'll never know. I mean, I'm the person I am today because of their faithfulness to God and the calling on their lives when they were my youth pastor years ago. Uh, so I wanted just to give you guys a visual here. Um, this is a picture of whenever I was in seventh grade. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is an interesting picture. There's a lot of stories behind this picture. And Jason and Raina are probably thinking of him right now and shuddering. Um, this was at a summer camp we went to. Uh, in Florida, actually, but we were in Memphis, Tennessee at the time. But we went to the summer camp in Florida every year. And um, my gosh, this was such an amazing trip. But um, there's <laughs> some things that took place in that trip that probably, you know, kept Jason up at night and still does maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay, dead. Um, but as I look at this picture, it blows my mind because in this picture, there are three youth pastors there are two worship leaders, and there's a missionary to a foreign country. And at the time, <laughs> right? He's cracking up right now, because he knows. And all I got to say about this is, when I look at this picture, and I see my goofy self holding drumsticks, because, you know, all cool drummers carry around their drumsticks, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and I see the knuckleheads we were, and I remember the stupid stuff that we did. And then I think of what we're doing now, serving the Lord. It, it, it just, it blows my mind. And it makes me realize, wow, never give up on somebody. <laughs> Thank you for not giving up on me. Uh, it, but it really, praise God, right, that we have a church whose part of their vision is to impact future generations. Because I fully believe that there are going to be people that are being raised up right now, man, they're kids right now, they're teenagers right now, but they're going to be serving on foreign mission fields. Amen? They're going to be youth pastors, they're going to be worship leaders, or they're just going to be awesome impacts and examples for God in the workforce. I've got to believe that, and I do believe that, and that's why we do what we do. Amen? And you are a part of that. So, man, praise God for what He is doing, what He's up to here at Coastline. Yeah? So, uh, man, I think back about the moments that impacted me as a teenager. And to be honest, it wasn't, 
you know, flashy events, although they were fun. It wasn't, you know, awesome camp experiences, although those are important. What really impacted me were people who were real enough and, and brave enough to be themselves, to live their life as an example, to pray with me, to spend time with me. Like, those are the moments that I remember. I, I mean... Don't get me wrong, Pastor Jason, he was a great youth pastor and he is an amazing pastor, but it's not the sermons that I really have a fond memory of. It's a time at the altar where a youth leader had their arm around me, praying for me. That's, that's what I remember. I can't tell you, you know, point number four of the sermon that he preached in 1998, but, but man, I can tell you that that year God impacted my life because people were willing to take time with me. Man, it, it's important. It really, really is. And, uh, and it excites me to think of what God has in store for the future generation that we see even here at Coastline. Amen? So when I think of impacting future generations, I even think of my own kids. I have two boys. They'll be four and one next month, which is just crazy. I, again, makes him feel really weird and old. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and... I think of them as teenagers, which terrifies me. Um, but I think to myself, you know, do I want them to experience awesome events? Yeah. Do I want them to go on camps and, and have uh, you know, these incredible, awesome times with God and friends? Of course. But what I want more than anything is for them to have godly influences in their lives that are going to pour into them, spend time with them, be praying for them. That is what is going to change them. And make them men of God one day. Amen? That's what makes the difference. So you have the opportunity to make the difference as we impact future generations. Jason says it, you know, this whole, the last couple of weeks as we look at our vision statement, that this vision isn't just for coastline, it's for you as a Christ follower. And I've got to believe that this is part of that. Impacting people, impacting young people. And so, man, take hold of that and, and challenge yourself. We've been in a series on Wednesdays um, this year talking about zeal. Everyone say zeal. I love that word. It's fun. And um, I, I believe that the people who impacted me, they had zeal. And this is what zeal is. Fervor for a person, cause, or object. Eager desire or endeavor. Enthusiastic diligence. And we've been looking at this on Wednesdays, talking about, you know, how can we really have a different year this year than we did last year or any other year for that matter? And I believe that if we can just grab hold of some zeal for God, man, there's no stopping us. Amen? And so, you know, whatever that means to you, take it. But I think back of the people who really did impact me, and it's because of their fervor for God. It's because of their eager desire to serve I'm the person I am today because they were enthusiastically diligent with what God called them to do at that time of their life. Amen? And so, man, let, let that challenge you and empower you if you're involved, or even if you're not. Man, sign up today. <laughs> man, we, we need more people involved. In, a, in not only the youth ministry, it's easy for me to get up here and talk about that, which we have some incredible youth leaders in this room right now even. But man, the kids' ministries, the nurseries, man, get involved. Because you have an opportunity to impact future generations through that. Yeah? So zeal is not something that just happens. It's not something that you can just muster up from being here on a Sunday morning. I wish that were the case. Amen? Like, I wish that we can just come here and then this was all there was to it. Man, my faith is built. I'm going to go out and just take this by storm. But 
it's in the daily grind, right? It, it, it's, it's the process with God in our relationship with Him. I believe true zeal is more in the process. And the people who influenced me, they showed me that. They showed me that a relationship with Jesus takes time. It takes effort. It takes work. And it's not easy. Right? Man, we... If we're really going to see people impacted, young people impacted for God, we need to be real with them. And, and it's okay to show them that, hey, life isn't easy, right? We don't want to paint this, this phony picture and give them this, you know, you know, hey, this is what life is supposed to look like. And then when they graduate, it just hits them over the head, right? We want to be real with them and give them the tools they need and to empower them to, to really make a difference when they are um, out of high school and even now when they're in high school. I know when we think of a vision statement like this, the focus automatically goes to future generations, right? I mean, that's how my brain works. I think, okay, impacting future generations, right? That, that's the focus of the vision. Young people, you know, children all the way to teenagers. But the action word there is impact. And so somebody's got to do the impacting, and it's not just Coastline that has that calling, right? It's you, you have the opportunity to do that. We have the opportunity to impact future generations for Christ. Amen? So, if we're going to truly impact future generations, we have to lead by example. So the question is, is our example worth following? That challenges me often. Because <laughs> I think, man, you know, sometimes I feel really good about myself. You know, wow, yeah, I served God today. I did that. So-and-so saw me do that. And so, wow, good, good pat on the back for me, you know? But... Are we living for God daily, being an example for, for young people and your kids and you know, whoever you come in contact with, or even when you don't know anyone's watching? Are, are, is our example worth following? So we're going to look at this verse in Romans, and it's an amazing verse. Excuse me. And um, Romans 12, starting in verse 9. I think that this right here, um, if we can just apply this to our lives, it'll set us up to truly impact future generations. But the cool thing is this verse, I think, covers all of the bases of all four parts of our vision. And it's amazing. Let's look at it. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I don't know that that verse is in there twice, but it's worth repeating. Amen? <laughs> Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. <laughs> that covers all the bases, I'm pretty sure, right? Wow. How amazing would it be if we grabbed hold of this and applied it to our lives daily? Can you imagine how different your life would look? If even if we just applied half of that, right? Can you imagine even the impact of the lives around you? The future generation that's looking at your life. Can you imagine if they saw you living that way? Wow. It's, it's not easy, but it starts with you. 
right? Did you notice each one of these things, in a way, it's a choice that you have to make. And sometimes you have to make that choice on a daily basis, right? Like, can we go back a slide, Larry? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Let's just write that out and, and post it everywhere so we see it everywhere we turn, right? Joyful in hope. Like, what are you hoping for? Are you, are you discouraged because it's just taking too long? Or do you have that hope and you're joyful about it? Patient in affliction. When times are getting tough and you feel like you've been waiting on God, are you still going to maintain patience because He's God and He's good? Or is the affliction going to take its toll on you? Faithful in prayer. Ooh, my toes just got stomped on right now. <laughs> Faithful in prayer. Are you just, you know, going after God when things are getting difficult? Oh, I got to pass that test. Or, oh, I hope I get that job. Or fill in the blank. Or, man, are we just coming before God, building that relationship by communicating with Him? Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. (laughs) Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And then let's, let's finish out the verses in verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Wow. So love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So with that in mind, we're going to jump ahead to 1 John. And, and this, I think, just further you know, gets the point across here. 1 John 2, verse 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Isn't it crazy how accurate the first part of that is, as far as painting a picture of today's culture? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Like, I mean, you can really like break those down, but let's think about this for a second. Lust of the flesh, self-gratification, right? What makes me feel good? You know? What am I going after? Lust of the eyes. Coveting. Wanting stuff. Everything your eye lands on, you know, you're, you're drawn to that. Or pride of life. Now, is, is it wrong to, you know, have a sense of pride in what you do, working hard? It's not wrong as long as it's first passed through the filter of God, humbly, right? But... You know, yeah, I'm self-made. You know, I've seen tattoos of that before. I've seen stickers and shirts of that self-made. And that just, it kind of makes me laugh because, you know, the truth is, you wouldn't be anything had it not been for the grace of God over your life, even if you don't even know what the grace of God is. Right? You're not self-made. So, pride of life. You know? Hey, thank you, God, because without you, I am nothing. Yeah? So, having this humble approach... And living as an example before this future generation. If this future generation of young people love the things of the world, then they're going to end up trusting the things of the world. And then, if they end up trusting the things of the world, they're going to end up obeying the things of the world. Right? Because if you love something, there's trust being built. And then, with trust comes obedience. But this tells us, 
don't love the world or the things in the world. Because if you do, the love of the Father is not in you. And that, that's kind of tough to digest, right? Wow. But here's the thing. If you do, it all leads down a path of hopelessness and unfulfillment. The sad thing is, now check this out. If you look at a young person that is submerged in today's culture and all that it offers, isn't it ironic that loving, trusting, and obeying the world and the things that are constantly bombarding this culture, isn't it ironic that loving, trusting, obeying that leads to feeling unloved or having trust issues, right? Or having a feeling of, I don't got to listen to anybody but myself. Interesting, isn't it? The love of the Father is not in the love of the world. Now, do we love the world? Yeah, God so loved the world. But this here is talking about loving the things of the world and, you know, the things that are, you know, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. So, wow. We impact future generations by teaching them to love, trust, and obey God. We teach them to do this by showing them that we can love God and we can love others because we were first loved by God. Amen? Man, praise God. It's awesome. Even when it's hard, trust takes time to build. So no matter your age, there's somebody looking up to you. Maybe you're in this room and you're thinking, you know, I don't got kids, you know, or my kids are growing up. But you know what? There's still somebody in your life looking up to you in some way. And you may be totally unaware of it. So you have an opportunity to impact them, even if it's not a future generation, impacting somebody's life by living as an example of how to live. Most of the time we're showing them that we aren't really willing to put in the time or the effort to see a flourishing relationship with Jesus take place. Like, one thing I've learned more than ever about this generation is if it's going to take time and if it's going to take work, then it's not worth our time. And it's not worth our work, right? So you're probably wondering about this uh, microwave up here. And um, we've got some Orville Redenbacher. Mmm, yummy. Um, and so, Jason always jokes about how, you know, there's a, a, a popcorn button on a microwave, you know? And he also jokes about having to wait in line at a uh, fast food restaurant. But we won't talk about that. We don't want to judge him. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Okay, here's the thing. I'll tell on myself here for a second. Hold on. So, Wednesday, we were, uh, it was late, it was after youth, you know, we were hungry, so we went to Taco Bell. Oh. <laughs> I can feel your judgment. Just stop. <laughs> like you're so perfect. God. So, so we were in line at Taco Bell. Now, here's the thing. Here's the point already fast food, right? I mean, it's not going to take that long to get it. But they have a sign in their yard that says, download the Taco Bell app and you can order ahead. <laughs> it's Taco Bell. I mean, come on. I'm not sitting around at home. <laughs> I want to order some Taco Bell. I'll go pick it up. You know, I mean, that's just, uh, if you do, then cool. Hooray for technology. But that's just kind of crazy to me. Like, we are a generation that is so infatuated with, if we can't have it right now, then it must not be worth it. Must not be the, worth the time or the energy or the effort. Right? We, we ordered a pizza two weeks ago online. Does anyone remember dial-up? <laughs> right? I remember when my family first got 
the family computer, you know. I mean, it came with like eight parts, and each one was this big, you know. You just stack it all up and plug it all together, you know, and it's just awesome. Oh, popcorn is finally happening. Great. Can you smell it? If not, it's fine. We'll have plenty to share. We'll pass it around. Um, so my family got this computer, and we got the Internet. That was a big deal, right? Now, you know, we carry it around in our pocket, like, oh, yeah. Oh, what? No Wi-Fi? Man, this is crazy, you know? I remember when the Internet was such a big deal. It's like, oh, wow, my parents let me have an email? I'm going to check my email once a week. That's so exciting. And then I sit down, and I log in to, you know, AOL or, you know, Internet Explorer, and then you hear this amazing sound, right? Right? And you're sitting there waiting, and then you go to check your email, and you see, I, I love the graphics back then. It's like this little thing forming out of the air, and then it turns into an envelope, and then the envelope has wings, and then it flies over and lands in the folder. And that just means that, like, one kilobyte of your email has begun to download, you know? So you're just waiting for that to happen, and you open it, and then it's, you know, from Grandma, and it's awesome, because Grandma got a family computer, too. But it was just... You know, we, we live in this, this generation now of, if it's, hey, we're popcorn's done. Awesome. I can smell it too. Buttery. Mm. Uh, but if, if it's not fast, if it doesn't have a popcorn button, you know, if it can't be done instantly or on my phone, then it's just not worth our time. Right? But here's the thing. With your relationship with God, even, let's think about this for a second. Oh, man. Things have cooled off with Jesus, you know, I just not feel it. Let's just, let's pop it in the microwave real quick. Let's go to church, and then maybe I'll heat things up again, all right? Like, guess what? It'll just cool off again, you know? Or maybe, oh man, things aren't turning out the way I thought they would. Let's just throw it in the microwave for a minute, you know? And, and maybe it'll, you know, pop a few more kernels for me, you know, and, and I'll just, I'll, I'll feel better about this situation. Well, here's the thing. In your relationship with God, it's more oven than microwave. Like, think about that. Your relationship with God should be more oven than microwave. It takes longer, but always turns out better. Amen? It really does. Praise God. <laughs> we have a generation that only wants enough Jesus to keep them out of hell. And that is a scary place to be, because that's a Christianity that will never be enjoyable, it'll never be fulfilling, and it'll never be a real, ongoing, fun-filled, difficult, stressful, amazing relationship. Right? Man, I love cooking in the oven because it tastes so much better, but man, it takes time. Right? There's no popcorn button on the oven. Jiffy Pop. Yeah, remember that? If you want a relationship with Jesus that's going to flourish, it's going to take time, effort, and work. But we need to be willing to put in the time, effort, and work because we have a future generation that is looking at us. Right? And so if these young eyes are looking at us and how we should live, isn't it sad that most of the time, hey, you know, yeah, I go to church on Sundays. Isn't that cool? I have a Bible app on my phone. Good for me, you know? But are we willing to just get into it with Jesus? The daily grind, the process with our Savior. That's one thing that we keep repeating over and over again at our house right now with our almost four-year-old. It's a process, you know? Like Silas, he says why for everything. I think he just does it for fun or to irritate me. I don't know. 
Like, why? Why? What do you, what do you mean, why? Sometimes he stumps me. I, don't, I really don't know. <laughs> you know? But a lot of times, I, I well, well, son, because it's a process. Like, you can't just, you know, like, why? Hey, you know, can we have dinner? You know, well, we just pulled everything out of the freezer. Why? Well, because it's frozen solid and we have to put it in the oven, not the microwave, and heat it up, prepare it. It's a process, right? And we don't like the process because the process gets painful sometimes. The process requires waiting. We just want it instantly. But here's, here's the thing. Something that we hear often as youth leaders is when I'm here, I feel loved, I feel accepted, I feel God. But then when we go home or go to school or wherever, I fall back into a rut. Now here's the thing. I'm so glad that we can provide a place for people to come. And I think the same goes for Sundays, where you can experience Jesus, right? That's awesome. And I'm so glad that they can feel loved and accepted and they can feel God. But why is it that those feelings fall away when you go home or go back to school? Now listen, if you aren't careful, you'll find yourself in that microwave mode of you only experience Jesus here. And see, that's a dangerous place to be because if, if all that you can say for your relationship with God is that you go to church, then you're tying your entire relationship with God to an experience felt here. Right? Man, that, that's tough. But that's because there's no submission to His process. Right? So yes, you experience Jesus here and we're so glad you do. But if that's all there is, that's a warning sign. Because here's the thing. God wants you to experience Him here, but also experience Him daily. In your daily walk with Him. He wants you to have new experiences and amazing experiences with Him. Don't wait for Sunday to roll around. Don't wait for Wednesday to come around for you to experience Jesus. He'll blow your mind if you just start giving Him some time. Amen? So it takes time. We need to show our children and future generations that are looking to us for guidance what a flourishing relationship with Jesus really looks like. One that takes time and one that takes work. Now, finish this sentence for me if you can. If you can't handle the heat, then get out of the kitchen, right? If you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. I'm sorry for all of the uh, you know, food analogies. You know? <laughs> but if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? Uh, isn't that true? You know, oh, things are heating up, things are getting hard, so just quit. Just leave. Just throw in the towel. But here's something that I was thinking about. If you can't handle the heat, don't get out of the kitchen. Instead, why don't you walk over and see what the master chef is cooking up with your life? Because it's going to be something amazing, right? It, it might have some heat to it, and it might be a process, but man, it's going to be seasoned with His goodness, right? It's going to give off an aroma of His grace. So you better just take a step back and submit to His process and realize, wow, God is working in my life, and it's worth it. Because the oven always tastes better than the microwave. <laughs> Amen? Wow. Submit to that process. It's difficult, but we've got people looking up to us. Kids. Young people looking to us for how we should live. Stick around, God's working. So let's look at Titus 2, 11 through 14. 
For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So there's so much in this verse. We don't have time to break it all down, but pretty much it's saying the grace of God brings salvation and it teaches us how to, to, to deny worldly lusts. Let's look at the beginning of that, Larry. Uh, verse 11. It appears to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So, I mean, you can look at each one of these, soberly, righteously, and godly, and we don't have to, but man, those words jump out at me. Like, are we really living soberly? You know? In, in a country where, you know, marijuana is being legalized, and everyone's just, hey, no big deal, you know? Or if you really think that getting drunk is no big deal, are you living soberly? Are you living righteously? Right? Uh, here's a side note, and I only say this because I hear it from teenagers, if you're going out and partying and drinking with your friends, don't you dare think that that's not impacting your kids. Right? It is. I mean, they may not show it, but it is affecting them. Right? God's grace brings salvation and teaches us to deny the things of this world. The end of this passage calls us a peculiar people, which I love. A lot of teenagers already fall into that category of peculiar. But here it's talking more about we are a peculiar people. Why? Because we have a standard of living that goes against what the world says is no big deal. So that's peculiar, right? We get looked at weird. But I think that's a good thing. Because when people have to do a double take, wait, wait, he's not doing that? Why isn't he doing that? Well, then we have an opportunity to point to the why. Because Jesus saved me from that. And life is so much better now because of it. Amen? So how? How do we have what it takes to live this way? We're going to close with this. 2 Peter 1, 3-4. Let's look at it together. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. Now listen to this. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Wow! Isn't that awesome? The promises of God are incredible. They're amazing. So how? How do we have access to this? It says, by coming to know Him. Let's look at verse 3. We have access to this, everything we need for living a godly life. And we've received this by coming to know Him. Right? Can you truly know Him if it's just an hour on a Sunday and that's it? You can experience Him, sure. But man, you have everything you need for living a godly life by coming to know Him. And then it goes on to say the promises of God that enable you to not only deny the lusts of the world, but to share in His divine nature. That's amazing. 
I want, I want some of that, right? I want to share in his divine nature. Wow. And we can escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. If we're going to truly impact future generations for Christ, we need to quit portraying a Christianity that is processed and cold and easily microwaved by coming to a church service on Sunday and that's it. We need to show a future generation that yes, it takes time, it takes effort, and it takes work. It's not going to be easy, but it's always going to be worth it. And it's amazing. That's what we need to be showing our kids. That's what we need to be putting out there for young people who look up to us. You know, maybe you're a business owner or maybe you own a business and you've got young people working for you. Man, begin to show them godly values in how you do things. Amen? Wow. Share in His divine nature. We need to get into the daily process with Jesus and stick with Him even when it's tough. And why? Well, besides the obvious fact that they are the future generation, it's an opportunity for all of us to be blessed because we're taking the time, we're taking the effort to show them the way to pour into them. Amen? So, we're going to close by, by looking at this. Let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's just think about this for a minute. The verses that we looked at there at the end, we've received everything we need for living a godly life by coming to know Him. So maybe you're sitting here right now and you're realizing, you know what, I don't know Him. I don't know Him. Like maybe that's why I feel like I'm ill-equipped. Maybe that's why I don't feel like I have what it takes to live a godly life. Maybe you don't truly know Him. And we don't ever do anything weird or kooky and we're not going to embarrass you or call you out. But we always want to give the opportunity for you to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. So if you're in this place and you realize now, you know what? I don't know Him, but man, do I want to. I know there's a void in my heart right now that can only be filled with a relationship with Jesus. So if that's you in this room, would you just slip your hand up? If you recognize, yeah, I need to know him. Thanks, I see your hand. I see your hand. You can put him down. Thanks. Anyone else? I need to know him. Awesome. So before we move on, let's pray with with those who were honest enough with themselves, honest enough before God to say, hey, I need this relationship with Jesus. So if you're a believer in here, then would you join this prayer? Pray for those who are making this amazing decision. And if you did raise your hand, we encourage you, open up your heart right now. It's not this prayer that I'm saying that is saving you. It's you opening your heart and putting your faith in Jesus. So do just that. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you that you lived a sinless life. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for all of us. Take away the sin of the world. And thank you that you rose again the third day to give us life and life abundantly. And thank you, Jesus, that you're going to help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to submit to the daily process, to truly have a desire to get to know you more every day. We love you so much and we thank you for it. If you did raise your hand in this place, you said that prayer, we encourage you to go out to the tent before you leave today, the tent on the East Lawn. Maybe tell somebody. It's so important to tell somebody about your decision. 
Go out there and why don't you tell somebody, hey, I said that prayer. I accepted Jesus. We'd love to give you a Bible or some resource or just talk to you. Get to know you a little better. Why don't we all just close in prayer today before we're dismissed. Jesus, thank you so much that you love us so much, that you've not given up on us. God, thank you that you're with us even when we don't feel you. Thank you, God, that we can come here and experience you, but Lord, we can experience you daily. So Lord, help us. Help us submit to that process, to put in the work, the time, and the effort, to truly be able to impact future generations as you impact our lives. It's all for your glory, Jesus. I pray all these things in your awesome name. Amen.